0: It's uh, really a blessing to be with you once again. I think this is the third or fourth year that I've been able to be here and do this pulpit swap thing with uh, Gary. I definitely think I got the the better end of the deal today uh, because I got a text at about 6.30 this morning saying that our electricity was out in Foster City. (laughs) So I guess Gary was uh, preaching in the dark. We don't have beautiful windows like you have in our auditorium. So... uh, You might want to pray for Gary today. It's probably been a rough day for him. But I just want you to imagine the scene, okay? It was time to celebrate the Passover, one of the greatest of the Jewish feasts. About three million people would be spending the week in Jerusalem. And word had spread like wildfire that Jesus of Nazareth would actually be there. In fact, there was a rumor going around and some people were even saying that Jesus had actually raised from the dead a man from Bethany named Lazarus. No wonder thousands of people lined the roads as Jesus made his way into Jerusalem and people cried out, "'Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, blessed is the King of Israel.'" That's very important that we understand today what they meant when they said that. That shout, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, is actually found in the 118th Psalm. And it was written at a time when Israel was surrounded by enemies, by warring nations. And yet God rescued her. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord was sung to conquering heroes. A conquering king who frees his people from tyranny. That word Hosanna actually means save now. And the idea is that this king has come to shatter, to conquer God's enemies. Jesus Christ is the king. But he is not the kind of king that we thought he was. In fact, he disappointed those Passover pilgrims and he disappointed his own disciples but in doing so he fulfilled their and our greatest need and this is made very clear a few days later in the scene that Dave just read to us. Jesus and his friends are gathered for a final meal Uh, since the streets and the roads of Palestine were not Paved, as we know of paved roads. They were plain dirt. In dry weather, they would be inches deep in dust. In wet weather, they would be like liquid mud. And the shoes of that day, you know, had just a flat sole with a few straps holding them on to your feet. And so every walk through the streets soiled your feet. And so for that reason, just inside the entrance of every home there would sit a basin and a towel. And most often, a household slave would greet visitors and wash their feet. It was a common courtesy. But on this night, when Jesus gathered with his disciples for that meal, it seems there was no slave there to perform this task, and none of the disciples stepped up to do it either. Of course not. I mean, they're thinking about the kingdom. Their thoughts were on fire with dreams of power and glory. In fact, Luke even reports in his gospel that on the way to Jerusalem, the disciples were fighting and arguing over which one of them would have seats of honor in the new kingdom that Jesus decided to establish. No wonder not one of them volunteered to assume the role of servant and carry out the courtesy of washing feet. Jesus is the king, all right. He's the king of kings. And here he is washing the dirty feet of his disciples and drying them with a towel. And here is the king whose scepter, that symbol of power and authority, is a mere towel. I believe that we can learn two very important lessons from Jesus' use of the towel that evening. The first thing is is that the towel dramatizes for us the whole of the king's career, the whole of Jesus' ministry. It's like it's a parable that's acted out right in front of us. And in his actions that night, Jesus vividly portrays the whole journey he made from the Father into the world and then back to the Father again. Look what John says. John says Jesus rose from supper just as he had risen from his eternal throne in glory. He laid aside his garments just as he had laid aside his privileges as the Son of God. He wrapped a towel around himself just as he had wrapped around himself our humanity. He washed his disciples' feet, performing the most menial act of service just as the next day he would die the degrading death of a common criminal. And when he was finished, John says he put on his clothes and he returned to his place. Just as three days later, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. You see, most of all, Jesus' use of the towel that night points to the cross. And that's why Jesus says his hour had come. That's why John mentions the betrayal of Jesus. Because we are meant to associate the foot washing with the cross. In fact, John even uses two words to describe Jesus' actions, lay down and take up, which Jesus had used earlier in his gospel to refer to his death. Back in John 10, Jesus said, The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life, same word used here in John 13, only to take it up again, same word. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. And you know, if the foot washing is connected to the cross, that helps us understand something of this kind of like bizarre interaction that takes place between Jesus and Simon Peter. Now, we know that Peter is not a guy that is actually known for his impulse control, right? He blurts out, Lord, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus is taking on the role of a servant. But he still won't let Peter call the shots. So Jesus responds, then Peter, you shall have no part in me. And it's like Jesus is saying to Peter, Peter, if you don't let me stoop and act on your behalf to wash you, to cleanse you, you can have no fellowship with me. Peter, something needs to be done for you. Something needs to be done to you. And unless I do it, Peter, you have no part with me. You have no fellowship with me at all. That something was the cross where Jesus paid to wash away our sins. Only the ultimate act of service, only the stooping down of the king can cleanse you and me from the filth of sin. Unless he lay his life down and wash us, we remain in that filth. St. Augustine once said, proud man would have died had not lowly God found him. Now Peter gets it. And the thought of, of missing out on the, on the life, on fellowship with Jesus makes him say, again, in sort of characteristic, exaggerated fashion, Lord, not just my feet, but my hands and my head. In other words, wash my whole body as well. But Jesus needs to clarify something for Peter. And he says, Peter, those who have had a bath only need to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean. What does that mean? Well... Back in that day, before attending a dinner party or a banquet, people would take a bath at home. And then, as I said, they would have to walk through the dusty roads to wherever they were going for dinner. And as they got there, of course, their feet needed washing. They didn't need a bath. They had a bath. They just needed their feet washed. Peter didn't need a bath because, as Jesus says, he's clean. And by that, I believe Jesus is saying, Peter, you are spiritually clean. In the same way, when we come to Christ and when we trust in his finished work on the cross, we are clean. We are given a bath. We are completely washed from head to toe. And that, folks, is a -a once-in-a-lifetime thing. In fact, the Bible says as far as the east is from the west... That's how far he has removed our transgressions from us. How far is that? Have you ever tried to measure that? This was true of all the disciples. They were all clean, except one, Judas. But even true believers like Peter, even though they are clean, even though they've taken a bath, need to go on allowing Jesus To wash their feet. This is different from being forgiven for our sins. This refers to another ongoing cleansing that we need in order to maintain vital connection, intimacy, fellowship with Jesus. You see, in our daily walk through the streets of sin, our feet get dirty. Do your feet get dirty? My feet get dirty all the time and that affects my fellowship with Jesus. So even though I'm completely clean, I need to keep coming back to Him in confession and in repentance to be restored to fellowship to Him. Sometimes we needlessly forfeit intimacy with Jesus because we won't let Him wash our feet. Maybe we refuse to submit to God's Word in a particular area in our life. Or maybe we just refuse to admit to our need for cleansing, or refuse to trust that he really is willing to cleanse us. By his death, we're completely cleansed. We've taken a bath. We're washed. We're made worthy to enter the banquet of the king. But we still need the towel. We still need our feet washed. So to be a member of the order of the towel, first, you have to let the king wash your feet. Maybe there's somebody in here today and you've, you've not done that. And you're here today and you know, you know what? I need fellowship restored with Jesus. I need to come to him and I let him perform this ministry in my life of washing my feet, of cleansing my conscience. That brings us to the second truth that we learn from Jesus' use of the towel. The towel also reveals the king's own concept of human relationships. You see, I believe that Jesus meant for this to be not just a parable, but also a pattern. So the parable dealt with our vertical relationship with him. The pattern deals with our horizontal relationship with one another. And I want you to notice how Jesus turns everything upside down in human relationships. Because From a human perspective, washing feet is beneath the dignity of the king of kings. When Peter protests, you shall never wash my feet, he wants Jesus to fit into his human concepts of what relationships are supposed to look like. Especially if you're royalty, if you're divinity, you, the divine king, shall never, ever wash my feet. And Jesus just shatters this misconception We think being king means to be exalted, to be sitting on a throne, to have willing servants meeting your every need. In his use of the towel, Jesus teaches us it means coming down off that throne, giving yourself to serve. And Peter, he just has no category for this at all. Uh, Peter would have been perfectly comfortable washing Jesus' feet. That would be normal. That's what people do. That's how things work in the world. But to see the king stoop and wash his feet, that's not normal. And Peter should have known. You know, Jesus had been talking about this for some time. On the way to Jerusalem, Peter had turned to his disciples and he had said, Guys, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. And to give his life as a ransom for many. The Son of Man You know, in the vision of the Son of Man that the prophet Daniel had, all the nations come before him and serve him, the king. But Jesus says, that's only half the truth. The other half is the eternal king above all kings serves us. And I think we all know this has tremendous implications for those of us who follow this king, serve this king. Jesus says, now that I, your Lord and your teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I've set an example for you that that you do the same thing for one another that I've done for you. (laughs) Actually, I would have expected Jesus to say, listen, if I, your Lord, your teacher, washed your feet, then you ought to wash my feet. If Jesus had said that, wouldn't we all be fighting for the privilege of washing Jesus' feet? Of course we would. Who wouldn't want to wash the king's feet? But instead Jesus says, no, 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 no. I want you to wash one another's feet. I mean, I don't know about you, but for me that's so much harder. I'll wash his feet any day, but I don't want to wash your feet. Now, Jesus is not telling us that every time we get together, we ought to go through this little ritual. We ought to all take our shoes off and wash one another's feet. Some churches do that. Jesus is not establishing another sacrament like communion or baptism. But Jesus is using this as an example of the kind of lowly service that should characterize our relationships with one another. No act of service ought to be beneath us. After all, Jesus says, a slave is not greater than his master. If you're unwilling to do this, you're saying you're greater than me. It's funny how in every household, mine included, there are always one or two chores or jobs that no one wants, right? Have you noticed that? And this was true in my household, especially as I was raising three little kids. Uh, When my kids were young, the one job that nobody wanted was, you got it, cleaning the bathroom, right? And I would walk in there and, oh my gosh, it was unbelievable what you would see in that bathroom, There would be like wet towels strewn all over the place, a big dark ring around the tub. I mean, God knows what in the sink. What is that? It was awful. And you know what I would do? I'd always do the same thing. I'd I'd go out of the bathroom and I'd start looking for the first little kid with wet hair. And I'd grab hold of him and I'd bring him into the bathroom. And I'd say, look at this mess. Clean up this mess. And you know what? Every single time, they would say the exact same thing. You know what they said, right? I didn't do it. My brother did it. My sister did it. And you know what I would always say? The exact same thing. I don't care. (laughs) Clean it up anyway. You know what being a servant is? It's cleaning up other people's messes. That's what it is. When you think about it, isn't that exactly what Jesus did for us? That he came from heaven to earth and he cleaned up our mess. A big mess that we ourselves are responsible for. He cleaned it up. That's what it means to be a servant. You might wonder, like, like, how do we do that? How do we get that mindset I want you to listen to a quote that comes from a fellow by the name of Leslie Newbigin. He says this. He says, Jesus has laid aside his life for us all. And the debt which we owe to him is to be discharged by our subjection to our neighbors in loving service. Now listen to this. He says, our neighbor is the appointed agent authorized to receive what we owe the master. That's profound. You see, when I let Jesus wash my feet, when I let him cleanse me, I owe him for that. I'm indebted to him for that. And so my neighbor, my wife, my children, the people I work for and the people who work for me are now the appointed agents authorized to receive what I owe the master. Tell you what. That's a disturbing truth. I mean, again, such a way of relating to people, that's just not normal. That that subverts the whole order of things. And you know what? I think that's precisely what Jesus meant to do. Because the gospel of the kingdom of God turns everything upside down. It changes our whole concept of power and authority and status Again, remember what Jesus said to his disciples as they were arguing about which one of them was the greatest? He said, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant and whoever wants to be first must be slave at all And then he says again, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. So that which distinguishes the fallen people of the world, the organizational structures of the world, is clamoring for power. People climbing over each other to get to the top. But that which distinguishes the new humanity being brought into being through the self-emptying love of Jesus is people who trip over each other trying to get under not over but under the king whose scepter is a towel is inaugurating a kingdom a church of footwashers Daryl Johnson writes when you belong to king Jesus You can no longer write on your resume, I do not do feet. That's precisely what you do, because that is what he did. But I think there's more to this. I believe that washing others' feet doesn't just require humility. I believe it also requires courage. Courage. Because, you see, what Jesus is suggesting here isn't just that we would be willing to do the most menial tasks, you know, like take out the trash and clean the bathroom and wash the car, whatever it might be. It's that, but I think it's more than that. It also means involvement with others at the very deepest level of their needs, the level of cleansing their soul from the filth of sin. It means we serve others by, become, by becoming involved in the messes they make in order to bring about their deliverance from sin so they can grow in fellowship with Jesus. Servant leaders are not passive, servant leaders do not stand by and let people track dirt all over the place, destroying themselves and others in the process. I mean, you read the Gospels and you see that Jesus didn't do that with his disciples. He was willing to get in their face. And there are some who refuse to ever confront others in the name of servant leadership. And I want to tell you, that is not being a servant leader. That is being a passive avoider. It takes courage to confront. The heart of servant leadership is the humility and the courage to rely on Christ and to be his instrument in helping others. Servant leaders are not dominators, but neither are they avoiders. They care enough to confront in order to bring cleansing and growth. And like Jesus, they do it in the context of a relationship of committed love. This is not giving each of us uh, the permission to put a badge on and play the spiritual policeman in the church. That's not what I'm saying. H.A. Ironsign used to say that when we go to wash someone else's feet, we need to be careful as to the temperature of the water that we use. Some may go with boiling hot water. Have you ever seen that? It doesn't work very well. They're so angry, just so enraged, so judgmental, they come to say, and they say to someone, stick your feet in here. It doesn't work very well. Others uh, don't go with boiling water. They go with icy water. They go to the other extreme. They're cold. They're aloof. They're self-righteous. So they come with freezing water to wash your feet. But you see, when we perform this ministry in the lives of others, we should come in the warm water of committed and humble love. And let's not forget, this ministry is mutual. Not only must we care enough to stoop and wash our friends' feet, but we must be humble enough to let them wash our feet. We must let them move alongside of us, And show us where we need cleansing in our life. I have to tell you, I've served in the same church now for almost 30 years. And I thank God for the people who have had the courage to come to me and point something out in my life that needed cleansing. It's never easy to hear that. Nobody likes it. And I also realize it's never easy to go to a leader and point out something in their life. But I thank God for those people. I don't think I would have stayed in the same church for 30 years had I not had people who came to me and said, Hey, Mark, you know, when you said that the other day, that was really inappropriate. You shouldn't have said that. You really hurt some people by that. And I appreciate that. And I've needed that. So this is a mutual thing. In his parable of the sheep and the goats, Jesus extends the scope of those who are authorized to receive what we owe the king. So you know the scene. All the nations of the earth are brought before the Son of Man. It's it's judgment day. And then the king says to those on the right, remember what he said? He He says, come on, come on in, all you who are blessed of my Father. He said, inherit the kingdom prepared for you before the foundation of the world. He said, I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came and saw me. And, of course, they said to him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Lord, when did we see you thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you sick, Lord, and visited you? When were you in prison? And remember what Jesus said? Remember what he said? He said, Truly I say to you, to the extent that you have done it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you have done it to me. You see what he's saying? The hungry, the thirsty, the stranger, the naked, and the prisoner are now the appointed agents authorized to receive what I owe the king of kings because he washed my feet. We worship and follow a king whose scepter is a towel. And as I said, the towel dramatizes his entire ministry. From the time he emptied himself, became a man, and died on the cross to the time he returned to his place in glory. Being part of the order of the towel, first, it means that you let him wash your feet. And maybe you're in a place this morning and maybe the communion table is a fantastic place for you to come and just let him serve you in that way. And you receive from him that cleansing, that washing that brings you back in fellowship with him. Uh, But then as you leave the table and you go back to your seat, you might want to be reminded of the fact that you are called to wash the feet of others. You're called to move into others' lives in in humility and sometimes with courage and wash their feet. Get involved in the messes they make and help them grow in the relationship with the king. Let's pray. We thank you, Heavenly Father, for your word today and we thank you for this uh, story which is so familiar probably to most of us and yet, Lord... Uh, once again we need to be reminded um, what you're like what you have come to do in our lives how there's a resistance in each and every one of us that would not want you to wash our feet whether it's because we think our feet are clean or because uh, we are just uh, we can't even fathom that kind of service made to us uh, which ultimately is pride And Lord, help us to move into the lives of others and to bring uh, service, to to bring cleansing and help us be careful about the temperature of the water we use. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your grace and your mercy and your patience and your tenderness with us. In Jesus' name we do pray, amen. church podcast we're located at 3560 farm hill boulevard in redwood city california you can reach us online at www.peninsulacovenant.com